Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Historic Pinstripe Show, Episode 7. Again, this is Brian, and I have been a diehard Yankees fan since I was around 7 or 8 years old. Thanks to everyone who listened to last week's episode or any of the other episodes that we've done. This week, I will be going through the top 5 Yankees second baseman of all time. But first, I just wanted to mention that the goal of the Historic Pinstripe Show is to preserve the rich history and tradition of the New York Yankees by discussing the greatest Yankees players and moments in Yankees history. Feel free to share any of your top five lists to this podcast by emailing us at historicpinstripes at gmail.com, on Twitter at historicnyy, on Facebook, which is at historicpinstripes, and on Instagram at historicpinstripes. Now let's get to the top five Yankees second baseman of all time and why. Now first off, I just wanted to mention that the Yankees have had a lot of good second basemen. And a lot of the second basemen that the Yankees had in like the 1950s, 60s, 70s, even the 40s and 30s and 20s, um, a lot of those guys, they didn't really hit a whole lot. Um, they didn't have a, they, they didn't, I mean, they weren't really there to hit a whole lot, actually. I mean, it wasn't like today, like they have guys like, like for instance, Robinson Cano, um, and second baseman like that, or even Gleyber Torres last year, who played second base, obviously he's going to be playing shortstop this year. Um, there wasn't a whole lot of guys that played second base that really hit a lot back then, like Billy Martin, Jerry Coleman, guys like that. Um, and their job was mainly defense first. So, I mean, there are, but there are a few guys that, that really did hit quite a bit, like Tony Lazari and Willie Randolph but maybe just in a different way. Maybe they were just more contact hitters. Maybe they were more power hitters, but maybe like back in the 20s, hitting a lot of home runs, if you weren't Babe Ruth or Jimmy Fox or Lou Gehrig, you were probably, if you were a home, you could have been a home run hitter and only hit like 20 home runs just because the standards was a little bit lower for home runs hitters. Um, Babe Ruth was one of the first guys to really, you know, set the standard higher. He was the first guy, obviously, to get to 60 home runs. Um, Obviously, Lou Gehrig, Got closer. He had hit 50 home runs, 47 home runs or so. I mean, a year. But anyways, a lot. Most guys did not do that. Anyways, Billy Martin was a feisty, hard-nosed baseball player. He had a very good glove. He was a. Um, he was also a good, good double play combination with Phil Rizzuto, who of course was one of the best Yankees shortstops in history. Um, and also, Billy Martin was a very clutch hitter. Actually, Billy Martin helped the Yankees to four World Series titles. They won. They also went to five World Series. Um, in his in Billy Martin's career, he had a 3.33 batting average, a 3.71 on base percentage, with a 5.66 slugging percentage, and he only struck out 15 times in 99 games, uh, or 99 at bats rather, 28 games. Um, so I mean, he uh, he really stepped it up a notch in the in the regular in the postseason compared to the regular season. His regular season numbers are not bad, but they're not great. Um, but he, like I said, second baseman in the fifties, they were more, uh, they were more defense first or sacrifice hitting, and it was just a different game. Obviously, they didn't have the DH. Um, moving on in the postseason, nineteen fifty three, he got a hit in every single game except for Game Three of the World Series that year. They played six games. Um, game Two of nineteen fifty three, he had a tying home run in the seventh inning, solo shot. And then Mickey Mantle later won the uh, won the game um, on another home run. I think it was in the top of the ninth. And I believe I can't remember. Uh, oh, it was Eddie Lopat finished the game and they got the they got the win. At least I believe it was Eddie Lopat. 
Game five of the World Series in 1953. Um, Billy Martin had a two-run home run in the seventh inning. He was two for five that game. In game six, he had a walk-off single to center field, and uh, Hank Bauer scored. And also in those last two games of the 1953 World Series, he actually protected Mickey Mano in the lineup, which is um, in the regular season in a way that would have been kind of unheard of because, I mean, Billy Martin was hitting so much that you like for a second baseman to protect Mantle. That was kind of big, and um, it showed how much how much uh, respect that shows from Casey Stengel to Billy Martin. And Casey Stengel, I mean, I think Billy was actually nicknamed Casey's boy for a reason because I think Casey was the guy that really got Billy Martin uh, to be the second baseman. I guess I don't think George Weiss originally wanted him, um, but I mean, Casey kind of coaxed him in to putting Billy Martin on the team, and uh, and obviously it paid off um, because, you know, Billy Martin was very clutch and he was a good defender. Also, uh, 1956 in Game 7 of the World Series, that was the last game um, that uh, Billy Martin played in a World Series game, um, at least for the Yankees. Uh, he was 2-5 for five in that game. 1955 against the Dodgers, he got a hit in every single game again, except for Game 3. And he also, and like I said, in uh, 1956 again in Game 7. Like I said, that was the last game he ever played in the World Series for the Yankees. Uh, he was 2 for 5. Um, and he had a game-tying home run in Game 3 of that World Series. Uh, he also had a solo home run in Game 1 of that World Series. And of course, the Copacabana incident was the reason, pretty much the reason that Billy Martin ended up leaving the Yankees because, you know, uh, George Weiss was not a big fan of him. They had another guy, you know, by the name of Bobby Richardson, who was uh, knocking on the door, and they ended up deciding to trade Billy Martin. And I guess they, he left on not so great terms because Billy felt like the incident uh, was basically they were blaming the entire incident on him, and uh, it was just a sad situation. And I guess Billy, for a while, didn't really forgive. Not really the Yankees; it was more George Weiss, I believe. But um, anyways, he ended up. Uh, Obviously, coming back to the Yankees, George, when George Steinbrenner was the owner, became manager, and you know the rest is history. Uh, some other guys I also wanted to mention was Jerry Coleman, who Jerry Coleman actually played with Billy Martin. I believe the first three years of Jerry Coleman's career um, were uh, probably his best. He actually played the most games anyway. Um, he was actually third in the Rookie of the Year voting in 1949. Uh, Roy Seavers won that year for the St. Louis Browns. He was also a 263 career hitter. So Jerry Coleman was not a bad he was not a bad hitter. I mean, for those days as a second baseman, that's not bad. Um, four World Series titles. Um, his first three years of his career, he played the most games of his career. Um, 1950, he had a career best, um, played in a, 152 games, 150 hits, and had a 287 batting average with a 372 on base percentage. So I mean, those are very good numbers. Uh, in 1950, in the World Series, Game 3, he had a walk-off single, scoring George Woodling. So, I mean, um, Jerry Coleman wasn't a guy that, that, like, he wasn't one of the greatest Yankees of all time, but he was he was a very good ball player. Um, I did not realize uh, he had that walk-off hit um, to win a World Series game. So, I mean, Coleman was definitely... Um, uh, one of the top, maybe one of the top 10 Yankee second basemen of all time. But on the top five Yankee second basemen, I, I feel like I, I, he doesn't quite make it, but he was a very good player. 
Horace Clark was another player I wanted to mention. He had never played in a postseason game because he played after 1964 and before 1976. So, I mean, he never played in a postseason game. Um, he, he did have a lot of hits for the Yankees, 1,230 hits. He played a lot, though, um, obviously, but, I mean, he was still a very good he had to be good to, like, if, if he wasn't good, they wouldn't have kept him out there anyway. Or at least I don't think they would have anyway. But, I mean, for that time period, he had a two fifty six batting average, which isn't great, but it also wasn't as bad as it would be today probably. It's kind of a different error. Um, obviously, he's, I don't, he's definitely not in the top five. Maybe the top ten, if I had to do a top ten list, I, I might put him in there. But um, he was uh, he was obviously a very good player good baseball player anyway uh he had 151 stolen bases throughout his entire league, big league career um i'm not exactly sure how he was defensively i think i believe i've heard he was pretty good defensively um obviously he played before i was even born so i don't really know how good he was i didn't actually see him play um and there's a difference sometimes anyways he led the league in at bats twice and he led the league in singles twice another guy i wanted to mention was chuck knoblock Chuck Knobloch played only four seasons with the Yankees, but he was a great leadoff hitter. And although he had his issues with throwing later on in his Yankee tenure mostly, I mean, yeah, pretty much later on is in the Yankees in his Yankees tenure, um, he was a great leadoff hitter for the Yankees. Um, yeah, uh, except for 2001, I guess. But by that time, I guess the throwing issues were kind of creeping into the offense a little bit. Uh, Chuck Knobloch was he he was he had some clutch moments as well. His best years with the Yankees were probably 98, 99, and 2000. Uh, 98, he hit 265 at a 361 on base percentage. 99, he had hit 292 with a 393 on base percentage. And in 2000, Chuck Knobloch had a 283 batting average with a 366 on base percentage. And he also scored 117 plus runs or more in 1998 and 1999. So he definitely did his job as a leadoff man by getting on base. Uh, you know, hit with getting on base 360 or more um, in those three years. And, uh, and, and you know, Knobloch was also obviously a guy, if you remember if seeing him play, he was a guy that he, he, also, he followed off a lot of balls. I mean, he saw a lot of pitches. He might not have always gone on base, but, I mean, he got on base at a very good clip. So, I mean, he, he definitely did his job, especially scoring 117 runs or more. I mean, in two years, I mean, uh, obviously the Yankees had some very good lineups in 98 and 99. So, I mean, that really helps. But if you can, you need guys to get on base for you, and Chuck Knobloch did that. And he was a big contributor to the Yankees um, winning those three titles when he was there. Uh, also, 98, game one of the World Series. In the seventh inning, he had a three-run home run to tie the game. And, um, and also, that was the same game uh, before he, he hit that home run later in the game was Tino Martinez's Grand Slam. 1998, uh, in the American League Championship Series against the Indians, he had, he had another very good game. He um, had three walks and went two for five in that game. Um, so he did his job there, too, getting on base. Uh, in 1999, in the American League Championship Series, game two, he had an RBI double to tie the game in the seventh inning. So he had some big moments with the, with the Yankees, and I just felt like I should mention... Chuck Knobloch, as well as Horace Clark, Jerry Coleman, Billy Martin. But anyways, we're going to move on to the top five Yankee second baseman list, at least the historic pinstripes top five Yankee second baseman list. 
we're gonna and we're gonna start off with Bobby Richardson. Bobby Richardson won three World Series titles with the Yankees, and he was a World Series MVP as well. He won the Gold Glove five times, and he was an eight-time All-Star. Um, one of those years, he actually went to to the to the All-Star game twice because they had two All-Star games back in those days. Um, 1961 was probably his best year, and uh, that was the year he had gone to two All-Star games. So, I mean, really, I guess you could say he was, went to six All-Star games. Anyways... He was the first and only World Series MVP for a player on a losing team. And that's uh, there's never been one since. He's the only guy that's ever won a World Series MVP for a player from a losing team. And that was against the Pirates. Uh, he also had six RBIs in one game in that 1960 World Series and 12 RBIs in the entire series. So that's a big reason right there. And actually, he, his only ho home run in the postseason came in 1960. Um, and it was a grand slam. And his... In his entire regular season career, he had 5,386 at-bats, 1,432 hits, a 266 batting average, 34 home runs in his career. And of course, Bobby Richardson was not much of a power hitter. He was mostly just a contact guy and, and just tried to get on base any way he could. Um, he was a guy that, although he did try to get on base, he didn't really, they didn't really concentrate on walking so much in those days, they wanted to put the bat on the ball and just try to get on base it any way they could that way. However, if they could, you know, sacrifice, get a sacrifice hit, move the runners over to second and third, that's another way to do your job too. So, I mean, um, Bobby Richardson was very vital to that team. Um, he actually played his last game at only 31 years old as well. Uh, 1962, he was second in the MVP voting, which is kind of surprising. I didn't realize that. He played 161 games that year, 692 at-bats, 99 runs scored, 209 hits. I think that was the most in his career. Um, he had 38 doubles, and he had hit for a 302 batting average, which might have been the highest in his career. Um, if not, it was one of the highest anyway. He also had an OPS plus that year of 101, which I believe was, was his best. Um, and, of course, like I said, uh, well, anyways, like I mentioned before, on base – OPS plus is on base plus slugging, and he wasn't much of a slugger anyway, of course, because he was pretty much a leadoff guy or a guy hitting in the bottom of the lineup, just trying to get on base, maybe moving the runners, doing whatever ever he could to help the team. And also that year in 1962, he had an on base percentage of 337. He also had no more than eight home runs in a single season. Like I said, that's why his OPS really wasn't that high I mean he got on base but the slugging wasn't really high because that wasn't his job and he really wasn't a power hitter anyway um, he also led the league in sacrifice hits twice in his career 1962-1964 um, he had 10 or more sacrifice hits four times in his career which I mean I generally sacrifice hits is not a big stat but I mean I, I kind of like to look at it because it kind of shows the selflessness of the player just willing to give himself up for the team um, 1962 and 1964, he led the league in at-bats. He had seven straight seasons that he played 149 or more games. Uh, three of those he played 160 games, 161, and 162. So, I mean, he played a lot of games. Nowadays, they don't really let players play that many games that, uh, that much anyway. Um, so, I mean, he played a lot of games. That's probably a big reason why he did retire early, maybe. Um, also maybe just got sick of it got sick of being away from his family and just wanted to go back and be with his family because the baseball season is such a long season 
Anyways, another thing about Bobby Richardson is that he was a, definitely a very clutch hitter, like I had mentioned in the 1960 World Series, being the MVP, the first and only player on a losing team to be the MVP. And uh, in his career, though, in the postseason, he hit 305, had a 331 on base percentage, a 405 slugging. Um, he only hit one home run, like I said, in his career in the postseason, 15 RBIs. He had 12 RBIs in that one game in 1960, no, or 12 RBIs in that one series in 1960, um, one home run, uh, which was a grand slam, and six RBIs uh, in, the, in, that, in that game that he did hit a grand slam. He was 11 for 30 in the 1960 World Series as well. 1964, he was 13 for 32, which was a 406 batting average. Um, so, I mean, uh, Bobby Richardson was definitely a, a, a clutch hitter. A couple other notes about Bobby Richardson. In 1961 and 1964 in the World Series, he hit in every single game. Game two of the 1964 World Series, he had an RBI single off of Bob Gibson. And in game four... Phil Lins led off with a, a double to advance, and then he also advanced to third on an on an error, uh, an errant throw. And coming up the bat was Bobby Richardson. Came up, hit an RBI double, and the Yankees took an early lead in Game Four of the 1964 World Series. Um, so Bobby Richardson was very good at setting the table for the Yankees, being the leadoff guy they needed, getting on base, uh, moving runners, whatever they needed. Uh, the, whatever they needed um, him to do. Um, so he's definitely on this list of the top five Yankees second baseman. The next is Robinson Cano. Robinson Cano played from 2005 to 2013. He played nine seasons. Um, I remember when Robinson Cano first started, they made a lot of comparisons to his swing and just how he played uh, to Ro Rod Carew. Um, and, you know, Cano had a lot of talent. I believe at first they they said that, he, you know, defensively, they didn't think he was going to be very good at all, or they, they really that was the that was the one question mark he had, and he kind of proved people wrong in a way. I mean, he wasn't he was he's there he wasn't a, like a Bobby Richardson defensively or Willie Randolph defensively maybe, but I mean he was still a very good defensive. I mean he won some Gold Gloves. I mean he wasn't the best Gold Glover sometimes too. Um, nowadays anyway, uh, guys who who uh, can hit a lot but don't necessarily, aren't necessarily as talented defensively. Sometimes they cut him some slack with the gold glove, and maybe they'll give him a gold glove when they have a, just a really good year, and maybe they, they should give it to somebody else, but they give it to them because of how good of a year they had offensively, which they probably shouldn't do. But anyways, you know, Robinson Cano was not as bad defensively as maybe they thought he might have been, or at least some people might have thought. He was also second in the Rookie of the Year voting in 2005. Um, Houston Street won it that year, if you're curious. Uh, the closer for the Astros, I mean, uh, I'm sorry, the closer for the um, Oakland A's. Uh, Robinson Cano had a strong arm, quick hands. He was very good at turning the double play with the, you know, the quick hands, at the pivot at second base. Also in his career, with the Yankees anyway, um, he had a 309 batting average. Actually, he's in the top 10 in batting average for the for the um, Yankees all-time, in the Yankees, on the Yankees all-time list. He had a 355 on-base percentage. 504 slugging, um, his OPS pl plus in his career, which is on base plus slugging, and it's like an average league average is 100, and above that is is above league average of course. His was 126 for his entire career with the Yankees. He had 5,336 at bats with the Yankees, 
1,374 games. He played a lot of games with the Yanks, 204 home runs, which is, um, I mean, compared to guys like like Bobby Richardson, Tony Lazzari, you know, that's a lot of home runs. Um, those guys didn't really hit a lot of home runs back then. Tony Lazzari hit a lot of home runs, but um, maybe in a different, it was a different standard back then for home run hitters. Um, also, he had seven seasons with a 302 average or higher. Um, every season, he hit 14 or more home runs. His best seasons were 2009, 2010, 2011, 2012, and 2013. I mean, so really, Robinson Cano, as soon as, basically, as he proved he could hit as soon as he got to the big leagues, pretty much. Like, in April, I think, before he got the call, I think he might have come up and he got sent down. Or maybe not. I'm not positive. But anyways, as soon as he come up, everybody kind of knew that Cano was going to be a very good hitter, and he proved it pretty much right away. Anyways, um, 2005, six, seven, eight. Maybe still he didn't may maybe have have the best numbers of his career, but he still had some very very good numbers. I mean, he hit a lot. I think one year he hit 342. I believe. I don't know if it was 06 or 07, but it was around there anyway. Uh, but anyways, 2009, 10, 11, 12, 13, those are probably some of his best numbers where he just put up everything. He was just power, hit, hitting everything. Uh, and, um, he, he had 25 home runs, 85 RBIs in 09, had a 320 batting average, 352 on base. 2010, he had 29 home runs, 109 RBIs, 319 average, 381 on base, third in the MVP that year. Josh Hamilton won, I believe. 2011, he had 28 home runs, 118 RBIs, a 302 average, 349 on base. He had uh, 33 home runs the next year, 94 RBIs in 2012, and a 313 batting average. So, I mean, um, and, and of course, 2013, he had a 314 batting average, 27 home runs. So, Cano, uh, he could really, really hit. And he was one of the best players of all, best players, best Yankee second baseman of all time. You could probably make the case that he is the best Yankee second baseman of all time. Um, of course, he also played at least 159 games every year since 2007. Um, you know, Cano, when he was with the Yankees, he was playing every single day, basically. And obviously, the Yankees had a lot of stars. And Cano, when he first started, you know, he was the young guy. Um, but, I mean, uh, a lot of times the younger players are able to play more games because they're 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 younger and you know they they should be able to play more because they are younger and um i mean nowadays they don't really want players to play so much so many games but um the fact that cano was able to i mean was was good because you know got a guy like that who could hit like that in your lineup that's definitely going to help you and he also had two gold gloves with the yankees like i said before yes um he had eight, and he made eight All-Star games. Um, in the postseason in his career, his postseason numbers were not the greatest with the Yankees, um, or in his career anyway. But he did have some, some he had, he had some good moments with the Yankees in the playoffs. That and some that I kind of forgot about. Um, but his career batting average was two twenty two in the postseason with eight home runs, thirty three RBIs. So I mean, he didn't have the overall. He didn't have the best numbers in the postseason. And again, in the postseason, I mean, it's. Uh, especially when you're a young player like Cano was. Cano, every year of his career, I believe, um, or every year except for two years in his Yankees career, he uh, they made the postseason except for 2008 and 2013. So, I mean, um, he was in the postseason a lot. 
In 2009, in the American League Championship Series, he had a two RBI triple, which um, gave the Yankees a 6-4 lead. And uh, it was the start of a big inning, too. Um, but they did end up losing that, that game. However, they ended up winning the series. Game two of that American League Championship Series, Cano um, helped the Yankees to take a one nothing lead with an, uh, another RBI triple. And um, and so, so Cano had a lot of big hits like that. Um, uh, in game one of the 2010 American League Championship Series, he had a go-ahead RBI single. Um, and the Yankees ended up winning 6-5. to five. Um, And of course, that was against the Texas Rangers. Game 1, 2011, American League Championship Series. He went 3-for-5 with 6 home runs. I mean, I'm sorry, 6 RBIs and 1 home run. He tied. In, he, uh, the game was tied in the 5th inning. Uh, he ended up getting an RBI double. And later in the game, in the 6th inning or so, I think it was, he got a grand slam. And the Yankees ended up taking an 8-1 lead. So, I mean, Cano had some big moments. He also, I mean, the Yankees, obviously, I'm sure people remember Cano. Uh, Cano was part of a lot of really good Yankee teams. He had a lot of protection in the lineup, Dirk Jeter. Well, I mean, he had guys like Dirk Jeter in front of him also, but he also had guys in back of him like Alex Rodriguez. or, or Actually, I think he was probably in back of Alex Rodriguez, although sometimes they would move the lineup around um, if he was hitting well. I think they did experiment with him in the three spot, but I think... For the most part, Alex was in the three spot. Um, but anyways, you know, Cano was definitely a big cog and a big reason why the Yankees, uh, why he was a, such a, one of the best Yankees, uh, second baseman in Yankees history. Anyways, let's move on to Tony Lazzari. Tony Lazzari was a Hall of Famer. He helped the Yankees to five World Series titles. He was actually um, on the Yankee all-time list. He's top five in triples. Um, he had 115. Top 10 in walks, strikeouts, and uh, and even sacrifice hits as well. In his career, he had 6,297 at-bats, 1,840 hits in his entire career, 178 home runs, 298 average, and one, he had 1,194 RBIs. Um, he was also top 10 in that, um, on the top 10 Yankee list in RBIs. Um, he had a 380 on-base percentage, 121 OPS plus, um, so well above league average, uh, 14 seasons with the in, with in baseball, but 12 seasons with the Yankees. Tony Lazzari had 10 seasons of 10 or more home runs. He had seven seasons with at least a 287 batting average and at least 116 games. So Lazzari played quite a few games. Um, I believe toward the end of his career, he started to seem like as he got older, he didn't play as long. Obviously, you know, players they didn't take they don't really know how to take care of themselves as they get older or I mean maybe he just didn't play as well I don't know I don't I wasn't around back then but I mean he was when Tony Lozari was in his prime he was definitely one of the best Yankee second baseman um I mean of all time obviously he's on the list for a reason and he had a, actually his breakout season was the same with the murderer's row season 1927 he had a 309 average that year 383 on base percentage 42 slugging a 125 OPS plus 18 home runs which is a lot of home runs for that error besides I mean like I said unless you were a guy like Jimmy Fox or Babe Ruth or Lou Gehrig but Tony Lazzari being a second baseman back in that day that was a lot of home runs um you didn't see many second basemen hit that many home runs in those days he also had 102 RBIs and for a team that had Babe Ruth Lou Gehrig on that team 
I mean, that's that's also a lot of hom- RBIs, and that kind of tells you a lot about the Murderers Row and why they called themselves why they called them Murderers Row. Um, also, uh, he was tied for third in MVP in 1928, which is also pretty pretty impressive considering you know they had Lou Gehrig, Babe Ruth, but he was the one that was third in MVP, and the guy that won the MVP that year was Joe Judge, first baseman for the Washington Senators. Um, but that year, uh, Tony Lazari played in 116 games. He had 10 home runs, 82 RBIs, and had a 332 batting average, 397 on base percentage, and a 145 OPS plus, which I believe was the highest of his career. So Tony Lazari got on base a lot. I mean, he was, especially for that time, I mean, he he had he had a lot of power. I mean, he didn't have a lot of power. For nowadays, 10 home runs, it's not really... That's not a lot of home runs at all. Um, but, I mean, back then, um, a guy that could hit 10-plus home runs for 10 seasons, that, that's that's a lot of home runs, especially a guy that played second base, too. Um, but, anyways, he also had eight seasons where he had 11 or more stolen bases as well, so he, he could obviously run a little bit. Um, he probably didn't have to run a little bit because they did have Babe Ruth and Lou Gehrig and guys that could just get runs in, um, you know, with the home run a lot. I mean, when you have Babe Ruth in the lineup – that helps um anyways he never struck out more than 96 times in a single season which probably for then 96 times is probably kind of a lot but um i believe that was his career high i think he had other years where he struck out a lot less than that as well um in the postseason uh he had a he had played in 32 games obviously like i said he um, helped the yankees win five world series titles they went to seven world series played 32 games 262 batting average which is pretty good Considering how many games they played, um, 342 on base percentage. Uh, he had four home runs in the postseason, 107 at bats, and um, only struck on 90, 19 times um, in 100, 107 at bats. Um, he also, a big hit that he had, or a few big hits that he had, game five of the 1926 World Series, he had a go ahead sack fly, scored Mark Koenig um, in, in the 10th inning. Uh, that was one big hit he had. Uh, to put the Yankees on top, and I think they they later won that game. 1932, Game 4 against the Cubs. Um, he went 3-for-5 with two home runs and four RBIs. Uh, many times you can get two home runs and four RBIs. I mean, that, that's, a, that, that's a big game. Um, I think that was the same World Series that Babe Ruth had his called shot. 1936, Game 2 against the New York Giants. He went 1-for-4 with five RBIs. And, then of course, the one home run was a grand slam. He also got a walk that game, too, so he had five at-bats. He hit in every game in the 1937 World Series. And also, he got got the Yankees started to a 5-1 win with an RBI single in the second inning of the 1937 World Series. So, I mean, uh, Tony Lazari obviously had a lot of big Yankee moments, especially in the postseason. Um, and I would say he definitely was clutch. Um, and I kind of had to dig up a lot of that information, obviously, because I didn't, I didn't get to watch Tony Lazari play. I mean, obviously, that was a long time ago. I mean, that wasn't around then. Um, anyways, but it's just looking up that information from a guy like Tony Lazari, who played such a long time ago, played with Babe Ruth, Lou Gehrig, on Murderer's Row. You know, uh, it's just kind of fun to look up that um, and find all that history about about a guy like Tony Lazari, who kind of goes under the radar, but he was definitely, there's definitely a reason why he was a Hall of Famer, because he was a very, very good player. And, um, for that time period for second baseman, 
and what he did offensively, he, he definitely deserves to be in the Hall of Fame, in my opinion, anyway. And another guy who's on the top five Yankees second baseman list is Joe Gordon, who also was a Hall of Famer. Joe Gordon was a nine-time All-Star, helped the Yankees win five World Series titles, and he also was the 1942 MVP. Um, uh, in his career, he had hit 268 had 5,707 at-bats in his career, 1,530 hits, 253 home runs in his career. So he had a little bit more power than even Tony Lazario even, um, uh, which is kind of rare. Um, but, I mean, uh, I guess they, after Ruth, you know, they started hitting a little bit more home runs anyway. Um, anyways, uh, he also had 975 RBIs, 357 on-base percentage, had 120 OPS plus, and probably some of that, is because his slugging was a little bit higher than even Lazari's actually, um, but Lazari had a pretty good. I mean, he had a pretty good OPS plus too, I believe. Actually, yeah, it was one twenty one, so that actually makes sense. Um, uh, they're both about the same. Anyways, he had uh, Joe Gordon had seven seasons with the Yankees, played a thousand games, and he had a thousand hits. So <laughs> that's kind of cool. Uh, he had a two seventy one batting average in his entire Yankee career. 358 on base percentage, got on base a lot, like I said before. Um, had 153 home runs in his Yankees career. He missed two years um, for World War II because he was in the service, obviously. In six straight seasons, Joe Gordon hit at least 17 home runs. Um, so he was a guy that hit a lot of home runs, just like uh, uh, Tony Lazzari. Um, he led the league in games played twice. 1942, like I said, he was the MVP. He actually beat out Ted Williams. And if you look at the numbers, um, Ted Williams probably was the better. He definitely was the better player. But, I mean, I can kind of see why they gave it to Joe Gordon because the Red Sox at the time, I don't think they were very good as a team. And the Yankees, I think, ended up winning the World Series that year. Um, but anyways, Joe Gordon's numbers, he was he had a very, very good year. And definitely, I, th I think he was deserving, just maybe not more deserving than Ted Williams anyway. Or maybe Ted Williams sort of won like a – Outstanding Flair Award. He probably did, I guess, maybe. I'm not too sure. Um, anyways, again, uh, he played 147 games, 18 home runs, 103 RBIs that year in 1942. Uh, Joe Gordon had 12 stolen bases, a 322 batting average in 42, and a 409 on-base percentage, and 154 OPS+. plus. So, I mean, his numbers were extremely good. And, I mean, I guess maybe he, he definitely deserved it. Um, the MVP award and I, another thing about the MVP award is this most valuable player so it's just because he beat Ted Williams it doesn't necessarily mean it doesn't diminish what Joe Gordon did because Joe Gordon was very valuable obviously look at his numbers I mean he helped the Yankees um, I mean they did have Joe DiMaggio as well and they had a lot of very good players but with numbers like that that that's a big reason why a team is going to go far and sometimes you need you need guys like that that are going to step up and uh, you know have really good seasons like the Yankees like with uh, Scott Brocious, um in the late 90s. He was a guy, like in 1998, he had over 300. And I think that was his, yeah, that was the best year he ever had in his career. So anyways, moving on to Joe Gordon's postseason career. He had uh, helped the Yankees, like I said, to five World Series titles. They went to six World Series. In his career, he had played in 29 games, 103 at-bats, four home runs, 16 RBIs, a 243 batting average, a 322 on base percentage so not bad decent um i mean considering how many games i guess he he didn't he didn't have a bad postseason career maybe because i mean generally they do the, the more games you play 
the numbers do tend to be lower unless you're a guy like Derek Jeter or someone like that who just thrives off the pressure um, and just is able to slow the game down and um, just has a very slow heartbeat and just you don't get too excited in the in the big moments. Anyways, he did have a couple some big hits in the in the postseason, uh, such as 1938 in the World Series against the Chicago Cubs. Joe Gordon hit in every single game. Um, including game one in the fifth inning he had a solo home run and he went two for four in that game with three rbis 1939 in the world series versus the reds game four he had a game tying infield single of all things to third base and dimaggio scored and that that was in the top of the ninth inning in 1941 of the world series uh against the st louis browns who i believe later became the st louis cardinals um he had all five games that year 1943 of the World Series um, against the St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, he, he hit his last home run in the postseason for the Yankees. That was in Game 1. Um, 1948 of the World Series, he later played for the Indians. And that was actually the last year the Indians have ever won a World Series. And uh, to, the, to the day even, they've never won one since 1948. Joel Gordon was on that team. And actually, he helped. He hit the go-ahead home run in the sixth inning in one of the games, and the Indians won 4-3. to three. I think it might have been the last game or the second to last. I'm not positive. But anyway, so Joe Gordon definitely had some big moments um, in not only Yankee history, but baseball history, obviously being the last, 1948, the last time the Indians ever won a World Series. Um, so, I mean, Joe Gordon uh, definitely is on uh, very deserving of being on this top five list. Another guy I wanted to mention was Willie Randolph. Willie Randolph played 18 seasons with the Yankees. Uh, well, actually, he played 18 seasons in baseball, 13 seasons with the Yankees. He actually started with the Pittsburgh Pirates, ended up, I think he got traded into the Yankees around 74. Um, and uh, and he helped the Yankees win two World Series titles. One of those, I don't, th I think he was hurt in 78, so I don't think he played as much, And th but he was a part of the team, so he will help them win two titles uh he was a six-time all-star in his career he had over 8,000 at bats 2,210 hits 54 home runs uh, he wasn't a home run hitter just like uh, Bobby Richardson was not a home run hitter he had a 276 batting average in his career a 373 on base percentage and a 104 OPS plus and again like I said for other guys I mean he wasn't a guy that hit for a lot of power um he had a lot of walks he was actually top six in, on the Yankee list in walks with 1,005 walks in his career. Um, of course, he did play a long time, but I mean, um, it's pretty impressive, especially considering that was his job to get on base. Um, he had 251 stolen bases in his entire career. Um, he was top five in the Yankee, uh, top five with the Yankees in stolen bases um, on the Yankee all-time list in stolen bases. Uh, he was a great leadoff hitter, like I had mentioned. Um, he led the league in walks with 119 in 1980, and he played in 138 games. So that tells you how how much he how patient he was at the plate, and you know his job was just to get on base any way he could with the hitters behind him, like Reggie Jackson, and even before 1980, like Thurman Munson, and uh, you know guys like that, like Rick Nettles, um, that that just could uh, drive him in, and. Um, and uh, Willie was very good at getting on base, you know, moving runners, like I said, with Bobby Richardson. Um, anyways, he was also a co-captain later, obviously, after Munson. 
Um, he became a co-captain with, I believe, Greg Nettles and I think Gator later on uh, became a co-captain as well. Um, or they might have all been co-captain. I'm not sure. There was three or uh, maybe when Nettles left, they gave it to Gator. I'm not positive how that was. Anyways, he had 10 or more stolen bases from 1976 to 1987, which kind of shows, um, you know, even though he was getting older, he was still able to steal bases. And as a leadoff guy, you're supposed to be able to run. And obviously, Willie, being the second baseman and a leadoff hitter, I'm sure he was pretty quick. Um, and uh, he had four seasons of 30 or more stolen bases as well. I think it was 30 in a row, I believe, um, or more. And 1980, he had on-base percentage of 427. And again, I believe this was still before on-base percentage was even a stat. And, you know, this kind of shows how much he got on base, how good of a leadoff hitter he was. 1987, um, you know, he was a little bit older toward the end of his career. He, uh, I believe it was toward, his, toward the end of his tenure with the Yankees, too. Um, he had a on-base percentage of 411, so he was still getting on base a lot. 1991, um, this, I think at this point he was on Milwaukee. Um, he had an on-base percentage of 424. Um, so, I mean, even, I think that was like the year before his last year of his career, and he was still getting on base a lot. And I think by then he was already not really a leadoff man, but, I mean, he still had to get on base, help his team any way he could. Um, he also struck out no more than 53 times in his entire career. And also another thing about Willie Randolph is I'm kind of surprised he never won a gold glove. I believe I've heard that he was a very good defensive second baseman. But part of that could have been because there are other guys um, like Frank White who played at that time when uh, Willie was playing uh, for, the, for the Royals, second base, second baseman. Um, and there was also Lou Whitaker, Lou Whitaker they called him. Um, he won quite a few gold gloves as well. And Bobby Gritch, um, who was a little bit before Frank White, um, he, he was winning gold gloves as well. So, I mean... Um, there were some other really good second basemen at that time, and that maybe that was a part of the reason why Willie didn't win a gold glove. And also, Willie was top 10 on the Yankees second baseman list in at-bats, plate appearances, runs scored, singles, and time on ba times on base, and sacrifice flies. Times on base is basically just any time you get on base, it just counts. And I just kind of wanted to put that because, you know, he was a leadoff hitter, and that was his job to get on base. So, I mean, he definitely, definitely shows you that Willie Randolph got on base a lot, and he definitely did his job. Um, another thing about Willie Randolph in the postseason, uh, his postseason, he had played a lot of postseason games. Obviously, Randolph, they had the, he did play in the era where they had the League Championship Series and the World Series. So he played quite a, quite a few games. I think he did play a few more games, I mean, than some of the other Yankee guys. I mean, obviously Richardson played in a lot too, but he didn't have as long of a career. Um, but anyways, and one of the biggest hits in his postseason career was Game 1 of the 1977 World Series. He had a game-tying home run in the 6th inning off of Don Sutton, and then later in that game, in the 12th inning, he scored the winning run in, um, on, on a Paul Blair RBI single. So, I mean, uh, he, he was a part of some big moments with the Yankees. Obviously, he was a co-captain, like I mentioned. And uh, he definitely is deserving of being on this top five Yankee list. And the top five Yankees second baseman of all time, in my opinion, are Tony Lazzari, Willie Randolph, Robinson Cano, Joe Gordon, and Bobby Richardson. And the reason why I decided to go with Tony Lazzari ultimately was I, I just feel like for Tony Lazzari's time, he was, I mean, he was considered a power hitter, but not 
just maybe not obviously not as powerful as guys like Lou Gehrig and just prominent guys like that but he definitely was a power hitter especially for a second baseman and it was just a different era of baseball at that time um you know he was a hall of famer Willie Randolph I decided to go with him over Cano as well because Willie Randolph was such a good leadoff guy I mean he just did his job really really well um played a long time uh Cano obviously I think Cano is kind of a shame because I think Cano if if he got if the Yankees signed him I think he would definitely be the number one second baseman in Yankee history. I mean, also, I guess the PED thing kind of puts a stain on his career a little bit as well. But, I mean, that might have been – he might. I don't know if he did that with the Yankees or not. I mean, he. I don't think he did. But, anyways, either way, I still would put Lazari and Randolph over Cano. Um, I think, like, if the Yankees had signed Cano, though, then Cano would have been able to put up probably – he probably would have been tops in all, all the top – top 10 list for the Yankee second baseman I mean so anyways moving on then I picked Joe Gordon number four Joe Gordon of course was a Hall of Famer um he had a lot of big hits in the postseason um and also he did hit a lot of home runs for a guy in the 40s um so I mean that's why I put him fourth and I put Bobby Richardson fifth Richardson um I feel like you really I mean a lot of this top five these top five lists are very subjective so I mean a lot of times it's just who you feel in the top five. So, I mean, if you have a top five, feel free to share it on Twitter at HistoricNYY or on Facebook at Historic Pinstripes um, or Instagram at Historic Pinstripes. Um, so feel free to sh uh, share your own top five. But my list is Tony Lazari, number one, Randolph, number two, Cano, number three, Joe Gordon at four, and Bobby Richardson at number five. Thank you again, everyone, for listening. And... Again, feel free to uh, keep in touch with us on Facebook, Twitter, and uh, feel free to email us if you have any questions about the show. And uh, also mention who your top five is, too, because I'm curious who, what everybody else's top five is. And as always, everyone, have a great week, and go Yankees! Go Yankees!